You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Brad mentioned the ice festival, and I just want to hit it just for a moment. If you helped at the ice festival or will help today as it closes out, um, just stand up. Stand up, please. Awesome. Now, if you see these guys with the, you know, their nose hair still frozen, you know they were there. Thanks, guys. Well, what an opportunity. Um, we had 2,000 chapsticks that, that were passing out, um, hundreds of dog biscuits, and the dogs eat them right in front of the tent, and people smile. Uh, the ice festival, when we did it last year, leading up to launching Northside Medina, I couldn't believe how many dogs showed up. So this year we were ready and didn't disappoint. Friday night, not so much. The dogs would have froze. It was like six degrees by the time we shut down. Uh, But thank you so much for being a part of that. As we continue our journey uh, here at Northside Medina, you'll see different opportunities to get involved not only as outreach for the church and sharing Christ, but also ways to show compassion. And I highlighted a little bit last week, but get ready because Compassion 2020 is coming and we'll have 20 some opportunities for you all to get out in the community and serve. Uh, Everything from picking up trash here at the high school uh, to serving a meal at the Cups uh, Cafe north of Medina where... uh, Teenagers come that are down and out to uh, working with homeless in Cleveland. Um, All across the spectrum, um, we'll have opportunities for you guys to get involved uh, as a family and as individuals. And we've been talking about joy, walking with the Apostle Paul through the book of Philippians. And in Romans 5, 5, Paul, in a sense of thinking about joy, he talks about hope. And he talks about there is a hope that doesn't disappoint. There is a hope that doesn't disappoint. I don't know about you, but I want a hope like that. We are all by nature hopers. How many of you are hoping for something right now? Raise your hand. About everybody. Talked to one of our couples this morning, first thing when we were unloading the truck, you know, pray for us. We're hoping our house sells. We have four people looking at it today. We're hoping this is the day. We're always hoping, but it seems like there's a lot of disappointment when it comes to hope. Growing up, we hope to make the team. We hope to get invited to the prom. We hope to make it into the right school. We hope to get married. We hope to have a promotion. We hope to have kids. We hope that one day those kids move out of the house, right? We hope for good health. But it seems along the way, disappointment comes in. Maybe we don't make the team. We don't get invited to the prom. We don't get the right job. Our marriage turns out to be a convenience. And we've had it up to here with our kids. Disappointment after disappointment. And even when we get the things that we hope for, we find out maybe in the long run there is disappointment even in those things. 
Let's say we do get invited to prom. We do make the team. We get the job of our dreams. We marry the love of our life. Our kids turn out perfect. But then there's oftentimes we sit there and there's still disappointment. John Cheever put it this way. The main emotion of the American adult who has had all the advantages of wealth, education, and culture is disappointment. Disappointment. And that disappointment often makes us settle for lower expectations in life. We just kind of settle in and think, okay, disappointment is where life is going to be, and that's where I'm going to stay. Well, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 talks about, again, a hope that doesn't disappoint. In verse 1, right off the bat, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Here's that theme of joy rising up again. Remember, Paul's writing this book, and where is he? Prison chained to a Roman guard, and yet he still has joy, he still has hope. Why? It's because of where his hope lies. And he's going to warn the readers in Philippi about falling into traps by which they can put their hope and it will end up in ultimate disappointment. Here's the warning, verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence, put no hope in the flesh. Here's what's happening. In Philippi, there was a group of false teachers known as the Judaizers. And they were teaching, yes, Jesus is good, but Jesus isn't good enough. In other words, if you're going to convert to Christianity, you need to accept Jesus, but you also need to do these other things along with it. Now, whenever you hear a teaching that says it's Jesus plus something else, red flags should go up. A red flag should go up. Oftentimes, churches with good intentions will make rules and regulations that are not found in the Bible. And that's exactly what's happening in Philippi. He said, you need to accept Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. And Paul's upset so much he refers to these teachers as dogs, mutilators of the flesh. They think that requiring circumcision honors God. And he says, really, all you guys are doing is mutilating your bodies. It's not getting you any closer to God. Now think about it. you got to feel sorry for Charlie who had the procedure of circumcision done the day before Paul's letter got there, right? Ouch. He's thinking, man, I didn't have to go through that. Paul's upset. He's resorted to name calling, trying to get these people to understand where not to put their hope. And he's got personal experience. He goes on to kind of share his personal testimony of things that he could have put his hope in. It's a pretty impressive list especially for the people who would have been reading it in his day. Before we get into that, let me ask you, where is your hope? Where is your hope right now? Where do you turn for what do you turn to for comfort, for security? What motivates you? 
What gets you up and gets you going? What matters to you most in life? Where is your hope? Well, Paul gives his list beginning in verse 4, Philippians chapter 3. I myself have many have reasons for such confidence, for such hope. If anyone else thinks he has more reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Here's all these things that have been very valuable in Paul's culture that he could have put his hope in. He said, first thing, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I could have put my hope, he says, in being brought up in the right way. In Genesis, God told his people, circumcise your sons on the eighth day as a way to show your faith in me. Paul says, I did that. Happened to me. He says, I've gone through all the religious rituals. I've gone through all the right ceremonies. If there's anyone to put hope in that, it's me. Now think about it. Sometimes we can put our hope even in ceremonies, rituals in this life. For example, I've known many people who are baptized as babies. Many people who are baptized as babies. Good for their parents. Follow me. Good for their parents that they acknowledge that they wanted to raise that child in the Lord in faith. But really, if we base our salvation on that, on that ceremony, we never made a personal commitment on our own to Jesus Christ. We never follow through in obedience, accepting him as Lord and being baptized into him on our own decision. You see, baptism is special, it is sacred, and it's done by our own personal saying, I want to obey God with everything I got in my life. He's number one. When you're baptized as a baby, you're not only old enough not to know what sin is, you're not old enough really to make that acceptance of Jesus Christ on your own. Even Paul, circumcised on the eighth day, came to the point where he was baptized as an adult, again, to show his personal commitment in his obedience to Christ as he accepted him. So there are certain ceremonies we can even put our hope in. He goes on to say he was from the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. He could have put his hope in the fact he was born in the right family. Raised the right way. We can do that too. We can put our hope in the success of our parents. We can put our faith in the faith of our grandparents and it never becomes our own. Could have put us hope in the fact that he achieved all the right credentials. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. There were never more than 300 Pharisees in his day and he was at the top of the list. He achieved the highest prominence, all the power. He could have put his hope in that. We can too. We can put our hope and our success on the letters behind our name, right? And those things that we achieved. When he goes on, a very impressive list either to be born into or that he accomplished. Here's his conclusion, verse 7 and following. Based on all that, 
Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, who for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, not having a righteousness that comes from my actions, my good deeds, but that which is through faith in Christ. That's where my hope is. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's response to all those things that he could have put his hopes, hope in. He says, I consider them, here's the key word, underline it, highlight, write it down, I consider them rubbish. Rubbish. The Greek word for rubbish in this passage is scubula. Scubula. That's a fun word, isn't it? Right? Whenever I hear it, I just want to say it out loud. You know, scubula, because it's fun. So I thought, I can't just say it and have fun myself, so I'll let you say it. All right? On a count of three, we're all going to say, we got to roll it, you know, scubula. Right? One, two, three. Uh, okay, one more time. One, two, three. Now, to be honest, I'm surprised you'd use that word in church. It's rubbish. Other translations translate it dung, excrement. Paul was using one of the strongest words he could to get across to these people. Hey, don't put your hope in this stuff. It is rubbish. In fact, if they had license plates or bumper stickers back in Paul's day on the chariots, one might have looked like this. <laughs> it's not a church word. But that's how strong he was of using this word to get across to them, don't put your hope in these things. This is what they are. Another key word, notice Paul says, I consider everything lost compared. That word compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, my Lord. You see, there are a lot of things on the list as I went through those, and if you read through them closely, that aren't bad in and of themselves. But if they become too important, if that becomes where we put our hope, then we get into trouble. Compared to knowing Christ, all these other things, he says, are scubula, rubbish, everything else. So I started thinking, you know, what's my list look like? If I had a list, what, what, did it, what would it look like? And symbolically, I thought, how can I show you what Paul's talking about? So we got a trash can. And I'm just going to take some things that are on my list. We'll start with my paycheck. How many of you need money? <laughs> we got to have money, right? But the problem is when money becomes too important and it can become very important to us, 
more, the most important thing in some people's lives is where's the next dollar coming from? How can I get more? How can I get more? My paycheck? Compared to knowing Jesus Christ? Rubbish. That wasn't really my paycheck, just an <laughs> illustration, all right? But you get what I'm talking about. Compared to knowing Jesus, rubbish. Got a picture of my family. I love my wife. Rena, raise your hand. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandkids more than my kid. No. <laughs> I love my grandkids. Love them. I would die in a moment's notice for my wife, my kids, my grandkids. No questions asked. I'd laid out my life for them. And the Bible speaks of how we should love them. But compared to, compared to knowing Jesus Christ, rubbish, rubbish. In fact, when Brenna and I started dating, years ago we started to get serious. I can remember where we were, and she probably can too. We were sophomores in high school in the basement of my mom and dad's house. And I said, honey, I got to let you know something. Maybe this was maybe a little bit later, probably a senior in high school. I said, here are my priorities. I said, God's number one, and you're always going to be number two. And you got to know that going into this thing. And she's accepted that because here we are in a high school, and she followed me, right? Here we are. Compared to knowing Jesus rubbish. And I thought about trophies, trophies that I received. I used to have lots of trophies. I love trophies. In fact, when I started thinking about it, I thought, why don't we get trophies as adults anymore? You know, I think I'd still collect them. But compared to, and there are a lot of different trophies we do look at in our life. Your car can become a trophy. Your house can become your trophy. Your possessions, all of them can become your trophy. Compared to knowing Jesus, rubbish. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> Got a clicker. Remote, we call them clickers. Entertainment can become what you put your hope in. Entertainers, athletes, rubbish. <laughs> Your computer, right? This one don't open. There it goes. So your computer becomes what you put your hope in. Your cell phone, technology these days. If we're not careful, it becomes our life. Compared to knowing Jesus, rubbish. What would be on your list that you would say, this is what matters to me in life, but I got to be careful because compared to knowing Jesus, it's rubbish. 
Paul warns his readers, warns us, don't get caught up in making these things too valuable. Verses 13 and 14, then he adds, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, now I'm going to forget all this stuff. All this stuff that I've talked to you about, all this stuff I could put my hope in, all this success in the world, I'm going to forget about those things. My hope is in Jesus Christ, and I'm pressing towards that goal. Verse 20, he talks about our citizenship in heaven. Verses 20 and 21. Now, to his readers back then, remember, those living in Philippi, Philippi was really a colony of Rome, even though it wasn't in Rome, they had all the privileges of being a citizen of Rome. And so he's saying, listen, you're not in heaven yet, but you got all the privileges. It's as if you are in heaven as a believer in Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, that's where our hope lies, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Talk about a hope. A man by the name of Martin Seligman did some extensive research years ago on hope and hopelessness. He conducted an experiment where he took some dogs and he put one group of dogs in one cage. And in this cage, they sent some mild shocks into the dogs. But in the first cage, they put a button. And if the dog would roam around and press the button with his paw, the shocks would stop. Well, when those dogs eventually walk around, get some mouth shock, eventually they learned where that button was and they press it and the shocks would stop for them. In the second cage, he put in some dogs and began to give them mouth shocks, but there was no button to press in this cage. And he began roaming around, receiving the mouth shocks, roaming around in a cage. And eventually they just laid down. They accepted the shocks as a way of life. Then he had a third cage. And he took all the dogs from cage number one and cage number two, put them into cage number three. And he put a barrier down the center of the cage. If they would step over the barrier, the mouth shocks would stop. But they had to step over the barrier. And so he started delivering the mouth shocks they did to the dogs. And those who were in cage one that had the button roamed around and eventually stepped over the barrier and the shocks stopped. But those who were in cage number two that never had the button, they roamed around for a little bit, never attempted to step over the barrier. They laid down and considered the shocks a way of life. Learned hopelessness is what he called it. Learned hopelessness. They said, this is just the way life will be. And they didn't realize that hope was just one step away. 
the shocks would stop just one step away. And sometimes we can be like that. In life, we experience shock sometimes, and we accept it. Some of you may be experiencing shock right now in your relationships. I mean, one relationship after another in your life has just unraveled. The last time you were hopeful, you thought, optimistic, this is it. But again, that relationship ended in disappointment. What if there was another hope? A hope that was just one step away that never disappoints. Some of you maybe are experiencing shock in your professional life. You're wondering, when's my time going to come? It always happens to the other person, and you're waiting. Maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the time. And the shocks keep coming, along with the disappointment. What if there was a hope that was just one step away that wasn't based on your professional life? Some of you may be experiencing shock in your physical life. You got the report from the doctor. You looked at the test, you look in the mirror, and it's just disappointment after disappointment. What if there was a hope that didn't disappoint, that was just one step away? Paul would tell you, and I will tell you, there is. There is. His name is Jesus Christ. When all the things of this world shock us and shock us and shock us, disappoint us and disappoint us and disappoint us, there is one who will never let us down. And he died to have a relationship with you. He literally died so that you could love him and he could love you. Father, we thank you so much for the hope that we have. Father, as we sit in this room and God, I don't know what disappointment fills this room, but God, I guarantee you there's a lot of it. Every single one of us, God, hope and hope, and God, we find satisfaction, but then it only leads to disappointment, and that's the circle of this world. Because, God, we realize we weren't made for this world, created for this world. We were created for heaven and eternity with you. God, let us put our hope there as believers. And, God, for those who may be in here that are having disappointment after disappointment that don't know, never really heard that hope is just a step away. God, allow them to take that step this morning. I'd love to talk to them about a relationship with you through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, for them. God, move in this place, we pray right now as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, guys.